Our Father, we are just so grateful for that truth that we are fighting a battle that you have already won through the sinless life, the vicarious death on a cross, the glorious resurrection of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ. We know how this story ends. And we thank you and we praise you for that truth, for that reality, for that blessed hope that we have in you, that we can testify to that hope here today. Father, we thank you so much as we gather in this place as brothers and sisters in Christ, as the family and body of Cross Community Church on this last day on the calendar in 2023. We speak to the testimony that great is your faithfulness. And Father, as we enter into this time of worship through your word today, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would minister truth to our hearts. That you would illuminate your word, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive, that you, Father, would create expectancy in us for all that you have in store for our lives and for this body of believers in the year that is before us. So I pray right now, Father, that you would speak your words through me that you would open all of our hearts to receive, that all that is done today would edify, strengthen, build up your church and bring glory and honor and praise to your most holy name. And we pray these things in the name of your son and our savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And good morning, church. So good to be with you here today on December 31st, 2023. Uh, we probably all say this, right? How did we get here? It's hard to believe, but it is. It's hard to believe we're here on this last day. If this is your first time worshiping with us, my name is Dave. I serve here on our pastoral staff and so glad to be able to lead our time together today. You know, New Year's Eve becomes a time typically for a lot of us that we pause and reflect on the year that was. Even in my time with the Lord this morning, I was doing that. I was praying and thinking back over this past year and reflecting on the things that I was pleased with about my life and its trajectory, reflecting on the things I was not so pleased with about my life and its trajectory. And we often do that, right? We take this time, this time is given to us to pause and to look back over where we've been and to look ahead, to spend time contemplating and thinking about what comes next. And it's a good thing for us to do personally as individuals, but it's also a good thing for us to do corporately as a body of believers, as brothers and sisters in Christ here at Cross Community Church, it's good for us to pause and reflect on where we've been. This coming month, January of 2024, on January 22nd, will be our seven-year anniversary of our launch service as Cross Community Church. We've seen our, our body gather together in multiple locations over those seven years as a mobile congregation. We've seen consistent growth numerically from that first launch service of a launch team of 45 to a congregation of close to 900. From six staff and elders to today, a combined team of 25. From four community groups originally to over 30. From a couple of dozen kids to almost 
200 and from a portable setup to a permanent facility. But we praise God most of all for how we've seen consistent growth as a church spiritually. Throughout these seven years, we have seen lives redeemed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have seen marriages restored. We've seen grace and truth modeled. We have rejoiced with those who rejoice, and we have wept with those who weep. By God's grace, since our launch service seven years ago, we have seen 206 people give testimony to their walk with Christ in baptism with 53 in this year alone. All glory to God. We have seen testimony. Yes, praise God for that. We've seen testimony after testimony of lives changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in these last few months, as we've moved into this facility, as we've continued this season of worship together, we have experienced a growing anticipation of what the Lord desires to do next, of where is he calling us to go next as a body. In anticipation for how each of our areas of ministry will continue to grow and have ongoing impact for the kingdom, of how we will receive and shepherd those the Lord continues to bring to the body of cross, of how we as individuals and as a body together will move to the next level of allowing the Holy Spirit of God to move dynamically in and through us as we seek to reach Beaufort County and beyond with the good news of Jesus. And so we ask, what are our next steps for the year ahead as a congregation? And what is my next step as a member of this body of believers? Tonight, as most of you know, we're going to gather together at 11 p.m. for a night of prayer and worship as we ring in the new year together. Ringing in the new year in praise and prayer and celebration of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our time together tonight will launch us into a focused week of preparation and of consecration as we prepare for what we're calling Seek Week We want the soil of our hearts during this time of preparation to be tilled and prepared and ready to receive the things the Lord has for us as we desire to engage in diligently seeking him in a way and maybe at a level we quite possibly never have before trusting in his promise that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so as we gather here together today on this last day of 2023 in celebratory reflection of all that the Lord has done over our past seven years as a congregation and expectant anticipation of what the Lord has promised and how that might unfold in our lives personally and our body corporately. Let's look together at how the early church experienced this from the book of Acts, where we find the first followers of Jesus in a moment of reflection of all that they experienced, the unfathomable events of the preceding three and three and a half years and gathered in prayerful expectancy of what was to come next. And so as we look together in Acts chapter one, we want to see that preparation for a powerful move of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our church requires consecrating ourselves with a posture of prayerful expectancy centered on the promises and the work of Jesus. As we pick up Acts chapter one, Luke is our author. Luke has written his gospel, one of the four gospels, to his friend Theophilus to unpack and and outline everything that took place 
uh, from Jesus's birth up through and including his death, burial, and resurrection. And so in the book of Acts, Luke then undertakes to write the next chapter of everything that would happen from Jesus' resurrection and ascension throughout the birth of the early church. And so we read together in Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. Luke writes, In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. That was his gospel. Until the day when he was taken up, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. He presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We see first from Luke in the book of Acts, the expectancy of Jesus' promise to us. For centuries, Israel had been waiting for the promise of the Messiah, a promise that had been unpacked through prophecy after prophecy throughout the Old Testament. And for the last three and a half years, these original disciples had experienced Jesus Christ, the Messiah, firsthand. They had been given a foretaste of what was to come. The preceding years for these men and women had been an amazing journey, no doubt. They had been taught the word, scripture, like never before, from the word himself. They had seen countless miracles at the hand of Jesus. They had having their lives completely upended for the sake of the kingdom. Each of them had been personally drawn to Jesus and had their lives transformed at his hand. They had experienced the agony of the cross and then the jubilation of the resurrection. And for the last month and a half, they were walking with the resurrected Christ, sitting under his teaching and experiencing a growing anticipation of what comes next. And so we see in verse 4 that Jesus actually places them in a state of expectancy by telling them to wait. Look again at verse 4. It says, while staying with them, Jesus ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus says, wait, don't go anywhere. Wait for the promise that I have given you. You've been baptized with water. Now I'm about to baptize you with my spirit. Jesus creates expectancy. And this is not the first time that they have heard this. If we look back in John's gospel in John chapter 14, we're actually going to reference John 14 a few times this morning. In John 14 and verse 15, Jesus told his disciples, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Jesus promised them that even though he was going away to the Father, that he would give them his abiding presence through his spirit. And we see as well in the Great Commission in Matthew 28, Jesus, as he was telling them, commissioning them to go and make disciples, to teach and to baptize 
in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit, he says, behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus creates anticipation for what is about to come. And there's a, this sense of expectancy as the disciples spend their last moments with Jesus and watch him ascend. If you've seen the movie Braveheart, it's one of my favorites. It's a classic. It's the story of uh, Scotland's first war of independence from England. Captures a lot of uh, the story of William Wallace, one of their leaders in that revolution. And there's an epic battle scene where the, the army of England is gathered across the field from the army of Scotland. And it's called the Battle of Stirling Bridge, if you're a history buff, if you're familiar with it. And in that battle, the geography of that location, there was Stirling Bridge was this causeway, this bridge that separated the armies of England from the armies of Scotland. And when the leaders of the army of England give the word, they begin to charge forward into battle towards the armies of Scotland. And what does the army of Scotland do? William Wallace holds up his hand and he says, hold. And he's waiting strategically for the moment where the army gets in the position where he wants them to be. And as the scene unfolds and music swelling and they continue to charge forward and William Wallace again says, hold. And over and over again, you can just see, you can feel as you're watching it, you can see the, 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 the warriors of Scotland, the anticipation building, they're getting antsy, they're trying not to go, they're trying to honor their leader as he says, hold, wait, hold, until finally he gives the command and they lock horns in battle. As you watch that scene, you just feel the anticipation swelling up as they are about to engage in this battle. And in this moment, as we see here in the book of Acts, as we, if we unpack what's happening, there's an anticipation swelling in the lives of the disciples. It's building as Jesus tells them, hold, wait, wait for what comes next. We as a church have been through an amazing season over the last seven years. Some of us have been taught the word like never before. Many of us have seen Jesus do the miraculous in our lives or those of our loved ones. Some of us are still waiting by faith for him to do so. Some of us have had our lives completely upended for the sake of the kingdom. Those of us who are in Christ have each been personally drawn to Jesus and are having our lives continually renewed and transformed at his hand. And no doubt, many of us have experienced the agony of bearing our own cross for Jesus as we continually die to ourselves. And yet we also experience the jubilation of resurrection life and the grace of Jesus Christ that washes away our sin, that keeps us secure until the day of his return and beckons us to keep fighting the good fight of faith. And for the last several months, as we have continued walking with the resurrected Christ, seeing his hand at work here among our congregation, we're at a moment of anticipation, of expectancy for what comes next as we trust in the work of the spirit that Jesus has promised to us. Verse six. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, 
Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who is taking up, taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So we have seen first the expectancy of Jesus promised to us. Next, we see the expectancy of Jesus return for us. After Jesus gives them the command with a promise that he will send the Holy Spirit, they got questions. And what are their questions? Will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Even with all of the time with Jesus, all of his teaching, they still haven't quite gotten it. They're still thinking temporally. They're still thinking short-sighted. Understand the context and what was in their hearts. The nation of Israel had been for centuries under the rule and authority of other nations. Under this period, they had been under the rule and the authority of Rome. And their hearts and their minds are set on deliverance in a way that they could understand, in a way that they could only see in front of them. They were focused on their circumstances and what their view of the answer was. But we don't do this, right, church? How often do we approach God with our own ideas of what's needed in a situation? How often do we lay out our perfect plan and then expect God to bless it? How often are we focused on what we desire to see right here, right now, how what we felt would be best in the moment or the best answer to a situation, missing the fact that God has a plan grander and more impactful than we could possibly imagine? How often do we just simply lay our lives out before God open-handed, trusting in his plan, seeking his will, which experience tells us we know is always going to be best. Notice how Jesus answers their question. He says, the details of God's master timeline don't matter to you. You don't need to be concerned with those. You only need to be concerned with three things. The first two things that Jesus tells them you need to be concerned with. One, you will be empowered by the Holy Spirit to live the life that I'm calling you to live. Don't worry about when I'm coming back. Just know that I'm going to empower you to do what's necessary until that time comes. Two, you will be my witnesses across the earth. And as he says this, Jesus is taken into heaven right before their very eyes. And the third item of concern is given to them by the two angels that say, hey, don't just stand there gazing. He's coming back. Jesus is coming back for you. And not only had Jesus already been teaching them of the promise of the Holy Spirit that we just looked at, Jesus had also been teaching them of the promise of his return. In Matthew's gospel in verse, chapter 24, verse 36, speaking of this time of Jesus' return, Jesus himself says, concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the son, but the father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour 
you do not expect. Jesus' promise to his disciples, his promise to us, is that he is coming again. Back over in John 14, Jesus had told his disciples, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go and prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. It can be so easy for us to get caught up in lesser concerns and things that really only matter here and now and don't hold eternal significance or value. I don't know about you, but I find myself constantly being drawn into lesser concerns, things that seem significant on the surface and do have some significance, but pale in comparison to what is most significant. As we move into 2024, it's an election year, a presidential election year. It's easy to be consumed about who will be in power in our country next. We have the concerns of our life, what our vocation is, where we will live, where we will take our next vacation. We even can get caught up in our entertainment, the things that entertain us, um, like football championships and bowl games that probably don't go our way yesterday. Or maybe they did. And I'm not saying not to be concerned about these things at all. I'm not saying not to enjoy the elements of life, the good gifts and things that God has given us. What we see here is those can't be our primary area of concern. We should care about who is in power in our country next. We should be involved in the democratic process. We should seek to see people in positions of responsibility and leadership that, a lot, that, that espouse biblical values and morality. We should concern, be concerned with what our vocation is and where we'll live and what God would have us to do and even enjoy the goodness of his creation on vacations and things. We should enjoy entertainment and things in a Christ-honoring way and enjoy things like the National Football Championship, if that's your thing. But our primary concern should be the fact that Jesus is coming again and he has given us a mission to take place between here and there. Our primary concern is right here before us in the text. It's rooted in the expectancy that Jesus creates for his first disciples and for his church today. Expectancy for the power of the good gift of his spirit to fill you. Expectancy for the opportunity that he has given you to bear the presence of Christ to those that he has placed you in their lives, to those around you. For opportunities to be on mission for him and building his kingdom and expectancy for his return to fully and finally redeem us from this life in the flesh and this life under sin. Which leads us to our third area of expectancy as we prepare for all that God has for us in the year ahead. We have looked at the expectancy of Jesus promised to us through the good gift of his spirit. We have looked at the expectancy of Jesus' second coming, his return for us to redeem us finally and fully as a people to himself. And third, we see the expectancy of Jesus' work in us. Continuing in Acts 1 and verse 12. Then they, the disciples, after Jesus' ascension, returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, all these with one accord 
were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. The lives of the apostles and those closest to Jesus. A few verses later, we'll see 120 in all had been turned upside down by his entry into their lives. They had seen things they never thought possible. They had experienced things with Jesus that were never before seen, were unimaginable to them. Their lives had been forever changed by Jesus. And yet they didn't even know the half of it and what was in store for them in the days ahead and the years that would follow. And as we see here, as they return to Jerusalem, they gather together in great expectation for what comes next. And it's a beautiful picture of trust, trusting in Jesus and taking him at his word. Trusting as they go back and gather together in prayer and wait that something else is coming, that Jesus has the next step for them. Trusting that Jesus is who he says he is, that he's going to do what he says he would do. And Luke says that they gathered together in one accord. There was unity in their trust of Jesus. There was unity in their anticipation of what he was about to do. And so as they gathered together at the command of Jesus in expectancy for what comes next, what did they do? How did they prepare themselves for the next step, for the move of God, for what God was about to do? Luke says they devoted themselves to prayer. Jesus had promised them that they would receive the gift of his abiding presence through the Holy Spirit. Jesus had promised them that the Spirit would empower them in ways they had never seen before. Jesus had promised them that his work would continue through them throughout the earth. Jesus had promised them that he would return for them, a promise confirmed by the two angels at his ascension. And Jesus had promised them that he would work mightily in and through their lives as they lived in surrendered obedience and expectancy. Back to John 14, Jesus had told them, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do and greater works than these will he do because I'm going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so on unwavering faith in these promises, the apostles, the women who had devoted themselves to following Jesus and Jesus' own family gathered together in prayerful worship as they waited with great expectancy for what he was about to do Next. So here we are, church, on this last day of the calendar of 2023, on the eve of a new year, on the eve of our seven-year anniversary as a local church. We, as a body of believers, have seen Jesus fulfill his promise of the gift of the Holy Spirit abiding in us, both individually and corporately. We have experienced the empowerment of his spirit in ways maybe we've never seen before or never thought possible. We have seen Jesus at work throughout this congregation in Beaufort County and beyond. We collectively hold fast to the promise of Jesus' certain return for his bride, the church. As we enter into this week of consecration and preparation, into this month 
of diligently seeking the Lord together as we enter into this seventh year as a local body of believers with a prayerful expectation of all that he desires to do in us in this grand adventure of making his name known among all generations so that nations will praise him forever and ever. William Carey is often known as the father of modern missions. Uh, He was one of the first missionaries into India and he fought a lot of discouragement, a lot of those that didn't believe in him. In fact, it was seven years on the mission field before William Carey saw one convert. And one of the things that William Carey is famous for saying is to expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. God has done great things among this congregation church and great things lay ahead that God desires to do through us as we continue to be a light for him in this community and beyond. And so as we enter into this new year, as we come together tonight in prayer and worship and prayerful expectation, as we come into this week together of prayerfully being ready, centering our own hearts, getting our own hearts ready and being ready for what God would have us to do, let's expect that God is going to do great things through this body of believers in the year ahead. So three questions to ask ourselves as we wrap up our time together. And the first question is foundational. Does the Holy Spirit dwell with you? Jesus has promised that for those who have called upon his name in faith, that he will give them the gift of the Spirit to be with them until the end of the age. And so if that's you, you can rest. If you know that the Spirit of God dwells within you, you can rest with assurance that you are kept secure until the day of Christ Jesus. But if you're uncertain on that today, today, this last day of this year, as we face into the beginning of a new year, would be a great day to turn your heart and life over to Jesus, to surrender to him by faith and receive that good gift of the indwelling presence of his spirit to empower and equip you for all that he has in store for you. The next question is just, are we expectant for Jesus' return for us? Do we really believe that it could happen before I say amen, that it could happen before we gather this evening, that it could happen 50 years from now? Do we really believe that Jesus' return is certain? And if we believe that, will we consecrate ourselves in expectancy for Jesus' work in us and what he desires to do through us? As we prepare to close our time in prayer and begin to prepare for the Lord's table, we did this a little bit last week and we're gonna do the same today. We're gonna take a few minutes as we close in prayer together. And as we begin to pray, I would invite you to just to take whatever posture of prayer you would desire You can do that right there at the seat where you're sitting. You can get on your knees at your seat. You can come forward to this space before the stage. Feel free to just move into a posture of prayer before the Lord. If you're not able to do that, if you're not comfortable with any of that, feel the freedom just to sit where you are and reflect on all that we have discussed today and ask the Lord to show you what's next. More important than the posture of your body, I would invite you just to open the posture, to turn the posture of your heart in openness to the Lord, to hear from him and what, you would de- what he would desire from you as we enter the end of this 
new year. And so as we close in prayer, I'm going to take a few minutes. I'm going to lead us through an ACTS prayer model that's simply just an acronym, if you're not familiar with that, for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And we'll use this time to center our hearts on the Lord for the Lord's table, as well as center our hearts on the Lord for this evening, for this week, and for this year ahead. So I'd invite you to uh, enter into this time of prayer. Feel free to move about however you would desire to do so. And let's pray together. Father, your word says, let the heavens praise your wonders. O Lord, your faithfulness in the assembly of the holy ones. For who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the council of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty as you are, O Lord, with your faithfulness all around you? Our heavenly Father, there is none like you. Great is your faithfulness. Father, we praise you for who you are. We praise you as our creator, as our sustainer, as our healer, as our giver of life, as our alpha and our omega, as our eternal father. We thank you, Father, for the good gift of sending your son, Jesus Christ, we praise you, Jesus, for the work that you have done on our behalf, for securing our eternity, and we place our trust in you. For the creation that we enjoy. And we thank you, Father, for the good gift of your spirit. Our counselor, our comforter, our helper, our guide. Father, we praise you. We thank you for who you are, for making yourself known to us and making a way for us to know you. And Father, your word tells us to search me, O oh God, and know my heart, to try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Holy Spirit, would you, as you stir and move in our hearts even right now, would you reveal to our hearts the things that grieve you? The areas of our lives that are out of alignment with your desires for us. The areas of sin that still have a hold on us places in our life where we need to grow, where you would desire us to grow in sanctification and surrender. Father, give us the boldness to, as we see, as we understand, as we these things are revealed to us, to confess these things to you, knowing and trusting that confession is safe because of your grace and mercy. 
And as we confess these things, give us the grace, the strength to repent, to have a change of heart, a change of mind, and to seek to lean even more and more on the power of your spirit to give us victory in these areas. Who is a God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance? He does not retain his anger forever, but he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. Father, we thank you that you are a God that is great in mercy. It is abundant in grace that is steadfast in love. We thank you that your mercies are renewed every day. That even when our lives display faithlessness, that you are faithful and that your mercies are renewed every morning. So, Father, from your word, we learn that it is impossible to please you without faith. For whoever would draw near to you must believe that you exist and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. And so, Father, we come before you on the authority of your word. And we ask, Lord, for renewed faith in your presence in our lives. As we look to this year ahead, Father, we ask for a continued or a renewed zeal in our walk with you. As we recognize the battles of our flesh, the battles with sin, we ask, Father, for a desire to seek you with our whole heart. Father, would you give us a greater expectancy and a greater anticipation of your return for us and of your work in and through us until that day comes. And Father, would you move through in and through this body of believers in a way that impacts Beaufort County and beyond for the sake of the kingdom. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come before the table, to come together to the table of remembrance of Lord's Supper today. To allow our minds to be drawn back to what you have accomplished for us and to be reminded that you are coming again. And we pray this time, the remainder of our time together would be blessed and would honor you. We ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.